You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, fun car cast for you today. We've got Alistair Weaver coming back into the studio and uh, talks about the McLaren and Land Rover Defender and a whole lot more. Uh, before we get started, Madison Reed, Mister, maybe you're working from home or doing uh, doing some Zoom meetings like we are here doing the podcast, and you're thinking about coloring your hair. Well, you're not alone. Madison Reed Mister. It's gray blending natural looking hair, color for your hair and beard. I saw the before and after shots and they look great. There's no shoe polish look. Just check it out. Maybe you just want a little more pepper and a little less salt. Well, Madison Reed Mister makes it easy to find your color match on the website. It's quick and easy. Just apply the color gel to your dry hair, then the activator. You wait about 10 minutes, then rinse and shampoo. Plus, they deliver right to your door. Go to MadisonReedMister.com. That's MadisonReedMR.com. And use the code ADAM10 for 10% off plus free shipping on your first box. Again, that's code ADAM10. Hello. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? Peace. I'm doing great, man. A little chilly out here in uh, Texas, but uh, probably not as cold as California. It's getting a little chilly out here as well. I'm not. I'm not so good with the cold. Fifty is like my cutoff, and then and then I'm pretty much I'm pretty much uh, staying inside with the heat on at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but like 50, you don't have any meat on your bones no, for insulin. Fifty is that number for me. And I'm like they're like forty nine. Like nope, not not doing it. Not going out. Yeah, I'm staying inside. And I'm quarantined. I, I just found out the difference between a jacket and a coat. And and that is and one of them I don't know bigger more weather like than the other one is uh, for fashion and style <laughs> and the other is for which weather which is that one then? I, I think I think the coat is is like the coat is that's the fashion is it wait all I can tell you is those those, those definitions only stick in California yeah I don't I don't know the difference uh, we got Alice Weaver from Edmonds there's a coat and a jacket here in Texas I, I don't know I the difference probably is. Vouch for it. Uh, Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you. I'm good, thank you. And I can I can jump in on that. A coat is the thing that keeps you warm. A jacket is like what you wear when you go to a business meeting. That's right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. a great definition. Okay, we're there. We're and, there. We got and it. Having only lived in California for three years, I can guarantee that it makes me laugh. Every time it rains, everybody gets out like ten thousand dollars <laughs> worth of Patagonia and you know, the wellies, the big the big coats, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all a fashion statement for sure. Uh, We got some fun stuff to talk about today. Before we get started, a little word from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power just ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? And they also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. All right, so Alistair has been up to all the uh, uh, all the good stuff. We had uh, you drove the Land Rover Defender, your team did, and uh, we drove it as well. But you guys did a big test that we've been waiting for. Uh, McLaren seven sixty five. It seems like everybody on the planet's driving that thing right now, except for me. So I'm not. I got to get on the list for that. <laughs> yeah, you're not either. Uh, I we got to go uh, get on the list for that. Request that thing, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna make this statement right now. I'm gonna bow out of today's podcast and just sit here and vicariously live through uh, Alistair's automotive adventures. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's going to be the name of our segment, Alistair's automotive <laughs> adventures. <laughs> Don't exclude yourself, you little goober. You get to drive these cars too. <laughs> yeah, um, I, Alistair. I don't know if. Um, if uh, you are going out to these other events or you're sending some of your team, but uh, the Nissan Z Proto is here in L.A. and they're doing like small tours, a couple people at a time because of you know COVID rules. Uh, so we went last night to see that. Um, that was a, a very cool to see, as well as the the Nissan Araya, the all Araya, yeah. the electric car, yeah, yeah electric SUV. And uh, and then in, in a few days, I'm going to go out and uh, drive the new F-150, which I don't know if you're doing that event or you're sending somebody to an event. 
Yeah, I've not done these um, personally. I'm doing. We we drove the uh, well. We didn't drive. We went to the Z event yesterday and have a F one fifty. Obviously, covering the F one fifty both on the event and otherwise next week. So, yeah, there's a lot happening. Then there's Bronco Sport coming on the horizon. Um, the Mackey or Mocky or whatever you want to call it coming up. <laughs> Standing joke. Um, and so yeah, there's, the there's a huge amount. Everything. <laughs> Bill loves it. Good job, Chris. <laughs> Hey, don't single me out. That's the one. Oh, I think it's fantastic. By the way, that we use that all the time when you're not here. <laughs> uh, yes, so your presence is always felt, Alistair. When I when I'm next on, we'll have driven this thing. So um, we just have a whole hour of saying Mackie. Uh, but it, but yeah, I mean, it's a hugely busy end to end to the year. There's so much stuff that was delayed for the pandemic is is suddenly hitting, uh, particularly the Fords and and other stuff as well. So uh, yeah, we're all working like crazy at the moment. And uh, I, a little birdie over at Dodge told me that they get ready for a lot more announcements from from them as well. And I think there's I think the car companies that were normally going into November with L.A. Auto Show news are just saying, hey, uh, I, I know L.A. Auto Show is pushed to May, but they don't want to wait that long for for that news to come out, those press releases to start getting people's attention. So I, I think a lot of stuff is starting to come out now. Um, that being said, I just want to get into this right away. Go ahead and tell us about the the, the McLaren, the 765. Is it, is it everything uh, we I, want it to be, or is it just is it too race car-ish and seats are too thin and it hurts your bony ass? Is it, is it F40-like Yeah, in that respect? It, 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 yeah, I mean, it's definitely more towards F, F14 in terms of how extreme it is. Um, I mean, I drove the 675 LT, which was the predecessor. I remember driving that around Silverstone. That was a fabulous car. This is just, I mean, I love the 720, but what I like about the 720 is actually very usable. It's got great visibility. The ride comfort's good. It's like it's something that you could genuinely use. This just like turns everything up to the extreme. They take all the sound out of it. And, you know, that okay. engine, the, the one thing that's always held McLaren back is the engine doesn't sound that good. Yeah. So you take out all the sound then, they whack on an even sillier exhaust. And I, took, I took my wife out in it and we, we drove about half a mile up the road. And she said, can you turn it down a bit? And that's like, no, that's it. <laughs> no, that's it. It's like, this thing's giving me a headache. And it's, it is so fast. I mean, it is insanely fast. Uh, I mean, we didn't have it on our track, but they're claiming like two points, something to, to 60 and uh, a quarter mile. I can't remember the quarter mile, but it's, it is insane. It's fast to the point where it's completely unusable on the road and you have to really think about how you're modulating the, the throttle and everything else. And even on a track, and we didn't take you on a track, but I've driven some things like it on the track. You've got to really know your stuff to drive something that fast with that much aero on a circuit. Yeah. And I love it for its madness and its theater and everything that it is. And I am glad it exists. But I did kind of drive you through everything, and this is just nuts. I, th- I think I think theater, as you just said, is a perfect term for it because I'm trying to figure out the audience for this car other than collectability. Because the 720 is so good as a car to drive. I mean, I spent uh, many, many days, almost a week, in the 720S and uh, – also did a lot of filming with it all through Angeles Crest, so I, not, I had an opportunity to hit the canyons on a closed-off road. We were filming and closed off the road and was able to, to scare the shit out of myself by having the no guardrail. And, and also, all I had was just like drones and guys with walkie-talkies going, hey, just go fast. We want to catch it on camera. I'm like, okay, let's do that. That sounds like fun. Uh, and then drive around all, you know, all over Newport, and we did a photo shoot at at the Ritz Carlton down there at, at in Newport Beach, and just a what a what an amazing car the 720 is, and the 765. I love the idea of it being just turned up to 11, but but also like you're saying, without the sound deadening, with a harsher ride, and it's just like eh, it maybe it does beat you up a little bit. But that's its purpose. That's the <laughs> yeah. same purpose yeah. of the F40, right? It's the same yeah. principle. Yeah. The Why only not? thing when you. When you think about like an F40, F40 had 450 horsepower. Did zero to 60, as I remember right, from my child in like four, four and seconds. a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So around four seconds. And and, and now we're like, eh, 450 horsepower. <laughs> what, you re- what you really need on the road is like 750 something. You know, yeah. it's like, and, and it's the same like Tesla just brought out, brought out this play, this Model S with the 1100 horsepower, three motors. And it's just like, what are you ever going to use an 1100 horsepower? And it, 
and I don't want to sound like a cynic because I, I love my job and I love driving these things. Of course I do. But it does make me long more and more for like a really fun, like 300 horsepower, lightweight, manual car, you know, and, and you have to go back to the classics now to start buying stuff like that. 300 horsepower. What a loser. <laughs> no, it just seems like everything has that kind of power now. Even the, even the hybrid cars, electric cars, everything is coming in at way more than that. Uh, I'm still getting so much abuse on on YouTube and elsewhere for for the drag race performance, the GT500, because nobody can nobody in the mind's eye is like saying, "Well, how did the 911 with 370 horsepower beat a beat the GT500?" Well, it's all about traction and how to the power down yeah. and where the weight is. <laughs> so, so I'm getting like just hammered and called the worst driver of all time. <laughs> and you know, it's just like it, it's all just barroom banter. There's no, there's there's just no logic in in where all this is going. You you got There's no logic in people talking crap on the internet anyway. Yeah. Period. No, that's true. Now, so we, I did the GT500 drive event, and the launch control in that car does have a little moment of bogging. It has like from from the point when you hammer down, it does have a little delay that seems like. If there was a way to program that out, would make all the difference in the world. But in in fairly normal but drag strip conditions in, in Vegas, that launch control gets that car to eleven twenties in the quarter mile all day long. Now we brought out uh, uh, Evan Smith was there as well, and he's the hot shoe Mustang guy for a long time. Lots of drag racing, uh, you know. Editor of the magazine for you know f- forever, and he's got more seat time in the various Mustangs than anybody without launch control and a couple shots at it three or four times. Uh, that same day, I think he did with his own foot a, a ten ninety five in the yeah. GT five hundred. So, and, and you're right, the whole time he was just like, it's just traction, it's just how to get that thing off, you know. But that what's interesting is that starts to bring up. Some of the some of the supercars that are out there, how are they getting as fast as they are with rear wheel drive? You know, you talked about the McLaren just now. You know, sub three seconds zero to sixty with rear wheel drive. I just saw. I, I just went to a viewing of the Maserati MC20, the new Maserati. Yeah. Uh, beautiful and, thing. Yeah, it's beautiful car. It's six hundred and twenty one horsepower. It's rear wheel drive. And they said it's zero sixteen two point nine seconds. I'm like, now that one is has a rear you know rear mid engine and a big hoof on the back for for a tire. So I I get there's a little more weight and everything going on back there. But my God, we're doing two and a half seconds, two point eight, two point nine seconds without all wheel drive. Yeah, I think that's all weight distribution. Though you're right. If you got mid engine, if you I mean two things improve. Either weight distribution, mid engine. And you see with the with the nine eleven sort of rear mid rear engine, but also tire technology. I remember doing the fight Ferrari five nine nine launch and talking to the guys who developed the F forty, mm-hmm. and and they were saying the biggest thing that held the F forty back was tire technology. Uh, you know, they did the tires just weren't keeping up with where the where the cars were getting to, and that modern tires. And this is one of the things with classics. And then we start putting modern rubber on on classic cars. They're going faster and faster because they've just got more grip and then things break and all the rest of it. But it's, um, yeah, that, that's where the big, but then you've got to get the tire temp up and everything else driving that McLaren. You know, it was, it was stability control was coming on going around LA just because the tires were clock cold. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting in that in sort of this horsepower war that we're in now we're getting this horsepower wars going to the crate engine market. Ford announced, uh, we just had SEMA basically the, our virtual SEMA show the past week or so. And, uh, Ford basically said they're going to do the GT500 engine. The supercharged crate engine now is going to be available out of their catalog. And they are, you know, that engine was designed specifically to work with the seven-speed paddle shift, Tremec transmission, the dual clutch that's in it. So they are going to release that engine in some form uh, with, I, I assume, with some sort of computer and the ability to bolt it up to various transmissions, I, I believe, including just a Tremec Magnum six-speed manual, if you want. Uh, and it's, when that news came out, then Mopar's news came out that they're going to have the Red Eye engine Red Eye. as a crate engine, the eight hundred and I don't know eight hundred seven horsepower, uh, seven ninety seven. 
Yeah, I, I think only fourteen hundred bucks more than the than the Hellcat motor. I I I think the crate engine has an eight in front of it. I think it's eight hundred oh, horsepower. Does? I believe it was like eight hundred one or eight hundred four. I think that was the. That's uh, even better. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I, again, a lot of these crate engines to get to that number that that has to come with like. Yeah, it comes with like certain exhaust manifolds or something. But anybody that's putting them in these hot rods, you know, you're doing it with more of an open element filter and more of a long tube header. And so the horsepower when this thing gets into a hot rod of some sort or some retrofit muscle car, truck, whatever, is going to be up. You know, another five, ten percent, and whatever they're saying. So these are these are pretty pretty batshit. Highly unusable. Oh yeah. That's the thing. It's just going to be. I don't know. Did they give a cost matter of what that that GD five hundred engine is going to be? They did not yet. They did not yet say what it was going to be. But um, they had some supercharged engines. Let's see. They did. I think the the Coyote crate engines are like six or seven grand, and maybe the naturally aspirated the five point two XS. Uh, the Illuminator engine. I don't know if that's 15, 16, something like that. I, oh, and there is a, a, a Cobra Jet, a supercharged Cobra Jet engine. It's a 5.2 liter with a big whipple on it from the drag race car that is in the catalog. And I want to say that's 20-something, maybe 25, 24,000. So uh, I, I think you're going to be 20,000 um, and and – Maybe twenty two, but maybe eighteen. But I feel like it's going to be around that twenty thousand dollar range, is what it feels like. I don't know what the uh, Bill. Do you recall what any of the Mopar crate engines go for? Uh, is what's a Hellafit? Yeah, engine I think it's or, twenty. Or? I think the Hellcat's twenty one. Uh, the Red Eyes like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars more. And then you know, if you want to go crazy, pay twenty nine grand or the equivalent of a six cylinder Charger right now, probably. Mm-hmm. For the for the uh, hell of it. For the hell of it, right? So knowing that twenty one twenty one thousand dollars range, I think the GT five hundred, the Predator crate engine, is going to fall into that into that range. That so, would make sense. Yeah. So, but it's it's kind of cool that they're going to be able to do that. You know, put those. It is, those but I had the conversation, you know, with somebody yesterday. Um, I, I mean, it's great to have them, but realistically, what are you going to put it in that can handle? And use that horsepower if it's a. I just I don't know. Well, I I don't think it's meant to be a a you know a backyard swap. I think it's meant to be you know you're you're doing a ground up. You're doing a whatever Art Morrison chassis, Roadster oh, shop yeah. chassis. You know you've got to put a full built chassis underneath whatever it is that you're building and go up from there. Everything's got to be comparable. Yeah, listen, I we we talked to the you guys. Think- yeah, go ahead. Alistair. No, I was just saying you've also got to think about like where that mass is because those are big units. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you, 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 you <laughs> know what? What is you, you could build something, you know, put a tubular steel tubular steel chassis together, and then just like the, they could just tip up on his nose like a dragster. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because uh, I was looking into that as we're getting into. Uh, over the holiday break, I'm kind of hoping to be able to build uh, the rest of the engine, build the. The, the engine for the truck, and I can't do the suspension on that truck yet the way I want until the whole thing is done because we have to weigh it and then dial in the spring rates because we're you know using an aluminum engine, aluminum heads, and, and trying to cut some weight off the front and move a little weight to the back, and and it's the last thing you should do is, is get it corner weighed and then figure out what changes you want to make to the suspension and then probably weigh it again, but, uh, but it's interesting that uh, – you know these supercars today are managing to uh, put put power to the ground somehow, and, and uh, it's it seems like that's the biggest feat that they're accomplishing. Is how do you how do you put six, seven, eight hundred horsepower to the ground? You know, Matt, if you want to borrow some scales, come down on a test truck on a Monday. Yeah, that's right. You guys we got the scale. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think we have a set over here, but I gotta see if we gotta dig them up. But uh, yeah, at some point, bring over the bring over the truck and test it. I keep blowing power steering lines on that thing, so we have a little issue there. Uh, I just told them, I said, let's, let's fix it. 
I just need it to last for a couple more months, and then I'm going to take the whole thing apart, and I'm going to redo the, the power steering system. I'll get a good KRC power steering pump. I'll valve it properly. I'll dial it in, spec it to spec out to, according to the new steering box and, and, and whatever. Right now, we're trying to make the stock Ford power steering pump work with the new steering box, and it keeps blowing lines, <laughs> making a mess all over the place. I've dropped power steering fluid at three different parking lots already. Uh, all right, so let me uh, let me hit this uh, Geico thing, and I want to talk about the uh, Defender versus, what, Wrangler and Forerunner? Yes. Uh, yeah, let's get into that. Do you guys own your home or rent your home? Either way, it could be a lot of work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right. This uh, uh, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of really, really good things about the Defender. I enjoyed it when I drove it. I didn't get a chance to off-road it, but the people that are getting it dirty say it's fantastic. Uh, what did you guys do? So we took it. I, I did this one my I did this one myself, and it's actually on the, the Edmunds YouTube channel right now. It's a half-hour epic, about 32 minutes long. So we took uh, a Forerunner, Defender, and a Wrangler and then headed out, um, headed out off-road in them. And the Defender was was really really impressive. Um, you know, it, it's I I used to own well, my dad owned one, I owned one. You know, the original the original Defender. I mean, it became the Defender in the eighties, but it kind of harked back to the nineteen forty seven original. And you know, for me, this was quite an exciting moment because I say my dad's first car was one. So yeah, it, it is it is really impressive. It's good on the road. I mean, it's really heavy. We weighed it at four and a half thousand pounds, which is a which is a fun, but it is super strong. I and mean, we had it on a on like a, a, a sort of stairs, but on one wheel, and you could still open the rear tailgate, which was super impressive. Um, off road, we're all blown away by how good it is and how easy it is to off road. It beats the Wrangler on most things, apart from approach angle, um, and it just makes everything easy. It's so much better on the road than either the Forerunner or particularly the Wrangler. Off road, it makes everything super easy. Interior is nice, a lot more spacious than a Wrangler, and it, but it is about fifteen percent more model for model. It's it's an interesting test, though. We 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 put it through a whole range of stuff. It's what everybody comes back to with the Land Rover. There's so much electronics, and when you read all the comments, it's just reliability, reliability, reliability. And of course, that's something we couldn't test in, you know, in the handful of days that we that we had the vehicle and. You know, the, the Forerunner owners get on the comments, the Wrangler owners get on the comments, and they're all beating up on each other. And Land Rover just doesn't have that critical mass of people saying, oh, hang on a minute, this is this is actually great. You know, if that car is going to be a success, it just has to hold together. That's going to be the pivotal thing. I think the big difference on that, which I was interested in when you guys go off-roading, is the lack of live axle in the rear. It's got an independent rear suspension on it, and I was just wondering how that's going to play into a – you know, I, I, I guess just kind of high speed uh, dirt running, sure. But when you start kind of climbing the steps, like you said, and doing a little bit of, you know, rock climbing, if you will, how does that suspension perform? We were actually take, again taking away about how good it how good it was. It doesn't quite have the articulation of the of the Wrangler, so you're going to lift a wheel a little bit more. But there is particularly with the air suspension, so you can buy it with various different kits. And if you go down the off road route, you get the air suspension. So it kind of lifts up its skirt and that gives you the ground clearance um and then the articulation is good the traction's good i mean really impressive and actually the the defender was one on less aggressive tires we had a trd pro forerunner and a rubicon wrangler and the defender was on more was was on less aggressive tires and it, it killed both of them off-road it was it was really that good what's the price point of that defender we priced the one we had was an like an early early edition which was mid 70s but we repriced one out to get one with the off-road kit in a spec that you would want is about 55 grand so you know it's a, a wrangler rubicon these days is get is 60 so yeah. it, model model for model it's about 15 20 more than uh than the equivalent wrangler so you are paying a premium 
And it's a little bit, you know, there's, we had a few issues about is it, is it a bit soft in terms of, you know, you haven't got as many recovery hooks, you know, some of the trim you kind of look at and go, that's a bit pretty and you're starting to mark up already. And, you know, you're not going to have the aftermarket initially that you have with the Toyota and the Wrangler. But I, I hope it works. I hope it is bought by more. The big fear is it's just going to be bought by Land Rover customers. And I well, really they had to it. change it a little bit and open it up to the soccer moms. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. But but yeah, and I don't know whether soccer moms are going to. That, that's the problem. But will soccer moms yeah. swap the Evoque for a Defender because they want to feel a bit more? Um, you know, it's like wearing Nike Airs, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> but is anybody like is any like proper? off-roader type are we going to see these on the trails i, I just don't know it's be a shame if we don't because they can do it all but i just don't see the wrangler customer or the forerunner customer jumping out into a defender not until it's more proven certainly and how did the forerunner perform in that lineup i know it's really about comparing the defender against everything that's out there but where does the forerunner live in that world the Forerunner is as old, it's what, 10, 11 years old now. It's really badly let down by its engine uh, and the transmission. We've still got a five-speed automatic. Um, and if it had a, a more modern engine and a, and a more modern transmission, it would be right up there. I mean, it's, it has a real charm about it. It's, you know, they've gradually updated it. It's got things like CarPlay now, but it's a really charming vehicle. And I love the fact that it, most people buy them and just kind of beat up on them. And you just know it's going to run and run and you're not really going to trash the interior and you can throw stuff on the roof and all sorts of things. I wouldn't buy the TRD Pro. I'd just buy the standard TRD, which is a lot cheaper. But it's still a – I can still see why people like them because there's a real kind of charm about it. It's interesting because it's the other end of the, of the spectrum potentially with the, with the Defender. Certainly, as history has shown, is the Defender is nicer and has all the, the glam bits and pieces into it. But reliability is always questionable on it. Whereas the Forerunner, basically, what you're saying is is it, it it's it's bulletproof, you know, to an extent, and that's why people love it and beat up on it and take it out in the middle of nowhere and know they're going to come home with it. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of an interesting. Uh, point of view for it 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 is and i was surprised looking at all the commentary that we that we get is how big the fan base is for the toyota and we know about the wrangler community but you know we've had so many people jumping onto our channels talking you know talking up the toyota and its reliability and its dependability and everything else and it's uh, you know it's a cool thing i still think it looks cool as well there is a sort of utilitarian chic to it where, where does the forerunner live as far as sales, like how is it doing? Is it just niche or is it, is it still a significant portion of, of Toyota's strategy? Like there's a new forerunner have to be just everything it can be, or can it be just a new forerunner? Like you said, but maybe it's got an eight speed transmission, a little more horsepower. Like what sort of investment is, is Toyota prepared to do to make that truck better? I was just looking at it. I just Googled it while you were speaking. 2017, they sold 128,000. 2018, 140,000. 2019, 132,000. So, you know, pretty pretty consistent. It's a niche, but it's, I mean, 130,000 vehicles is still a pretty big niche. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we were talking about, you know, in the muscle car world, of, you know, Dodge is selling 97,000 Challengers and, and Mustang is selling, you know, 75, 78 thousand cars so you know in the when you're in that hundred and thirty thousand range for sales i i think that's enough to to warrant a, a a significant investment yeah and and i think it's like all yeah i think if you put a new engine and transmission that would you know maybe update the interior a little bit you'd be you'd be on the way and it just has such a loyal fan base it's a it's a funny car for toyota because it is a bit of an outlier for them but uh but yeah i mean that's and also the the margin on it must be huge because the development was done like, you know, a generation ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they could sell 110, 120, 130,000 a year for the last 10 years, that adds up. You know, that starts, yeah. to, that starts to really add up. But and then you understand why they're able to to invest money into it. Like we've seen it with F-150. 
you know, I, I, we hear rumors, you know, all the time, not for this generation or the previous generation or the previous generation. People go, oh, yeah, a new platform. We spent a billion dollars developing this thing. You're like, that seems like a lot of money. And they're like, yeah, but we sell 900000 a year. We're going to keep, you know, and, and they're they're highly profitable vehicles. They're, uh, you know, especially when you start throwing options onto them. Uh, anything with options starts to add up, right? Like this is how Porsche makes money, right? Is uh, you buy a 911 for you know sixty eight thousand dollars, and you realize it costs you one hundred twenty thousand dollars by time you, by the time you're done, yeah. right? Because you wanted lugs and a carpet and you know window tint or <laughs> a steering wheel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I've got this start right. The average the average option options on a 911, the average like markup on a 911, what people pay is about twenty five grand in the U.S. Easily. Yes, and and I heard that the the profit margins are are upwards of thirty percent on those, which all the is, options, yeah, yeah, which which is high in that in that world, which is definitely up there for that. Particularly these days, when most of it's like software and electronics. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, so to get the uh, to get the full results of. The three-way test between the Defender, the Forerunner, and the Wrangler. Uh, go to Edmunds.com. Is it up at uh, Edmunds.com slash road noise? Uh, yep, you can find it there. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, or even if you just Google Defender versus Forerunner versus Wrangler, it'll pop up. Watch uh, watch Alistair's video on that. Uh, you guys will dig it for sure. Um, oh, and check out the Rubber Bronco as well. Because we realized that the uh, there was an elephant in the room in the shape of a Bronco. So we bought a blow up bronco on amazon for 30 dollars. <laughs> i actually i sent it through to the ford press team and said first group test of the bronco and we got stony silence back no nothing just just crickets in the background yeah bleep, bleep. yeah right on um that's going to be interesting uh i'm sure you guys are planning a test for bronco as well but there's so many variations of it uh you guys ordered one though so you guys ordered yeah, a launch edition with two-door launch edition Six cylinder. We, we've actually we've actually got to make that decision pretty much pretty much soon. Um, it's either whether we go down two door or four door. We'll probably go four door because we think that's what people will buy, even though the two door's cooler. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the Defender, the two door. The ninety is going to be a lot cooler than the than the one ten, but most people will end up buying the four door. Yeah, and that actually brings up the question of they're going to do a one thirty, so it'll be a four door with basically an extended cab. It's supposed to be same wheelbase, but a little more broad body work, a little more room for a third row in a Defender 130. So I wonder how that will sell. You know, will people go yeah, for the extended version or they go for the standard four-door, the one and they, and they should do a truck, you know, like, a, I mean, obviously the Defender originally had a truck, but there was a truck version, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a classic rival for the Gladiator. How many do you think they're going to sell Defenders? I mean, do, is is there a number in mind that makes sense? financially it seems like i mean look land rover is kind of a a niche company they're trying to move as many suvs as possible but there's a lot of vehicles in their lineup you know between sport and and the variations of sport and the full range rover and the variations of that and evoke and uh uh you know all, all the all the vehicles they have just seem you know i don't know for a company that sells a hundred thousand total, maybe for, as a as a brand. I have no yeah, it, it, it's it's really. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously they will have estimates, but yeah, I mean, I was looking at like discovery sales last year. That this the, the last year they sold ten thousand nine thousand two hundred discoveries in the U.S. and they they're only you know their market is L.A., New York, San Francisco. It's East Coast and West Coast, and. That's the challenge. If, if this thing's really going to kick on, they've got to appeal beyond that core base. But that means having good lease rates. It means having, you know, sorting out the reliability concerns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is the reliability thing an image problem or is it real? And if it's just an image problem, then how do you address that? But, you know, there's been talks of some early ones having problems and, you know, that's not great. Yeah. It's got to be bulletproof. Well, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, it'll do well for them. Uh, it's certainly getting a lot of attention, and I, I think people were 
you know, when Bronco was announced, people were saying, oh, Bronco is exactly what Defender should be. And Defender came out, and I feel like Defender is pretty close to what Defender should be. I, the interior yeah, I wasn't agree. wasn't super luxurious. Like, it's just the right blend of being nice enough to, to be that Beverly Hills cruiser, but also its off-road capability to, to you know— not be embarrassed when it's out there in the dirt for the few people that will take it out there. So I, I think they kind of nailed it. In my opinion, I think they kind of nailed it. I, I think they did. I just think you got to spec it right. Otherwise, you can look a bit soft. Yeah. I, I don't like the saddle bags hanging over the windows. It looks too, it, it just looks too concept car-ish kind of thing. And I I don't know. I get there's like a functionality to it, but it just ends up being too sleek and too – you know, to L.A. Auto Show, to, you know, to New York Auto Show-ish for for me. I don't know. That's just kind of my thought on that. Yeah, but that, that's an option, so you don't have to have that. Yeah, you, you don't. You, you don't. play with a configurator, get it on steely wheels and lose a lot of that nonsense, and it starts to look pretty cool. <laughs> um, all right, let me tell you guys about Avery Dennison. You know, back in the day, Henry Ford said, uh, you can have your car in any color you want as long as it's black. Well, good thing times have changed. Now you can have any color, finish, and texture you want with Avery Dennison's Supreme Wrapping Film. Can you imagine a Model T with a color-shifting wrap? That would be interesting. It, uh, I would imagine it would turn heads. I, I think of the uh, the Mystic Chrome Mustang Cobra from back in the day, that color-shifting one that uh, Bill and I have talked about a few times. Uh, my dad actually had one of those. You know, the problem with that is, is uh, this is where the wrap comes in. When you ding the bumper on a color shifting paint and you got to go get it painted and touched up it is pricey my friend you should stick to the uh to the wrap so visit averydennison.com slash color to try their wrap visualizer and see how you can make your car stand out that's averydennison.com slash color all right what else is going on yeah tie cam tie cam oh you're driving the the uh the quiet porsche did you go and get that specifically because your wife thought the, the McLaren was too loud? <laughs> yeah, I think she'd prefer this one. Uh, and we've got room for the baby in the back, which is which is which is always always positive. You don't want the baby sitting but on the, the baby, engine, Elliot. Pam? You didn't want her sitting on the engine in the McLaren. It's warm it's back done. there. It is. <laughs> it, it, it's um, yeah, we've got it, and we just currently uh, every year we do a Edmunds Top Rated Awards, and so we, we're actually in the final stages of judging on that, and we're shooting that in a couple of weeks. Um, and we have a luxury V class and obviously the Taycan's, you know, a key contender in that. So we have a 4S in at the moment. Funny talking about options, this thing's, I think starts at just over a hundred. The one I've got is 140 and doesn't have, doesn't have like adaptive cruise control or something. I was like, come on. <laughs> 140. So you got about 40,000 in options, 35, 40,000 in options. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. Tell us a little bit about it. What's it like to drive it? How does it compare to, to the competitors out there? Everybody is, you know, Porsche versus Tesla. And I don't even know if people are cross shopping those. It seems like Tesla owners are so diehard to the brand that uh, maybe maybe it doesn't really change. But, you know, someone reached out to me and said, uh, you know, maybe the Porsche is not as successful as as we thought. I understand it to be a good car, but uh, I don't know what's going on. Like you can go buy one of the Porsche dealers and it could j- just be the location. There's six or seven on the lot, eight of them on the lot, you know? So I don't know if they're all just waiting to be picked up by owners or uh, they're just not moving as many as they thought. Now they're moving, they're moving pretty well, actually. The sales of, um, if you look at Porsche's sales in the US this year, the Taycan's actually propping them up and keeping them profitable. So um, it's been doing, yeah, it's been doing okay. It's, I think for for me, what what the what they've done a fabulous job of is actually making it still feel like a Porsche. Mm-hmm. If you jump out of more than a Panamera, to be honest, and more than a Cayenne, you get into a Taycan, it still feels, you know, the way the steering works, the way the controls work, the way it drives, it still feels like a Porsche. And, and I think that's probably the biggest achievement of all. You know, so many of these electric cars are a bit identical because they don't make a noise, and you know, they all go fairly fast. Whereas this thing actually, you still feel like you're in a in a in a Porsche, and and, and that's the that's the big appeal. Um, you know, I always wonder about whether you would get one now or wait a few years as technology continues to evolve. But yeah, if you bought one of these today, it's it's a tremendous thing. The range, the range, we do like specialist range testing now, where we put every vehicle through a specific loop, and. Polestar and Tesla, basically, their range is pretty much on what they quote or marginally worse. 
uh, with the Taycan, the range that we're getting in the real world is way beyond what Porsche and the EPA are claiming. So it's 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 a fantastic piece of piece of work. It's an amazing piece of engineering, and you know, as a thing to run around in every day. You know, just the fact that it's so quiet, it's so comfortable, it's so fast. It's a really nice thing. Why do you think the range stated by Porsche is less than than what you guys are getting? What, what do you think the strategy is there? Was it some sort of something we don't know about on the back end, some sort of tax cut, benefit, something or other? Or, or you know, is it a marketing ploy? Although it seems like, yeah, I mean, I guess in in a sense it could be. They know everyone's going to be testing this car because it's so new. And if you guys beat all of the claimed numbers, then you're going to have rave reviews about the car, right? So, I mean, is it is it a strategy? I, I don't think so. I think it's just more about how, at the moment, the way that the the range is is calculated and some of the EPA testing, everything else is, it you, we're getting quite wildly disparate results. And I think Porsche is probably, well, part of the Volkswagen group now, probably after everything that's gone on with Dieselgate and everything else, has been naturally quite cautious. But there does need to be a shakeout in this stuff because we, we're getting, you know, with gas-powered cars, when we run the economy tests, we, you know, it's not a million miles away from, from what the official figures are. With the EVs, we're getting wildly different results. So I think they've been a bit cautious. I think also it might be the difference between re- real-world driving and, test and you know more like laboratory testing mm-hmm. but it's it's really it's really impressive what does it feel like inside does it feel uh like a panamera does it feel smaller than a panamera is it is it bigger uh it, it's like smaller you... than a, the wheelbase is smaller than the panamera so for people particularly rear in the rear you do notice it's smaller than a panamera and they've done a but they've done a clever thing of actually taking batteries the batteries sit under the floor, but they've actually been able to like scoop out an area. So your feet effectively sit on the floor of the car rather than top of the batteries. You know, like in the back of a Model 3, you kind of have your knees around your ears because your, your feet are sat on top of the batteries. Mm. Whereas in the Taycan, they sit on the floor of the car and the batteries are kind of all around you. Um, so that that's quite clever. It's wide. It is it is a wide car like like so many of these are. Um, but it, but overall, the proportions, so it's shorter than a Panamera, lower than a Panamera, but about as wide. So the proportions look a lot more muscular and sporting. Does does the width of the car translate to shoulder room? You're 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 a tall guy yeah. and you can fit in the car. Does does a tall, broad shoulder shoulder guy like Bill fit into it? Into that uh, oh, for sure. I mean, you might have to be, you know pick which seats you choose but uh but yeah in terms of interior room no problem and and i can you know i can get in behind myself so it's a proper four-seater yeah it's interesting it looks good and they're starting to pop up around on the streets out here and i'm starting to see some interesting colors um i don't know what the wheel options are but i keep seeing this wacky wheel option with the i don't know with the white ring around it it looks it's not it's not my favorite not my favorite yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was it. That was from the Mission E. You remember the Mission E prototype? That was actually something that was carried over. I think that's an option, but I think they're twenty ones, if I remember rightly. Yeah. So we we when we did a vintage race of it, Monterey, I, I, maybe a couple of years ago, we did a big walk around of the Mission E, and you know it was white, had the futureless future futuristic looking wheels and stuff, and it looked cool in that presentation. It was my same thought on that as. The defender with the saddlebags over the windows. When you're getting a tour of the vehicle, you know, uh, you know, from the manufacturer with the fancy lights, or you're at an auto show, all that stuff looks cool. But then you see it on the street, you're like, eh, I don't know if I need the the bags hanging off my windows of a defender, or if I need the the white rings going around on the uh, on the on the Porsche, because that car actually looks pretty good in 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 some other colors other than the white. I don't mind the white, but I, I just feel like you know, that with a nice wheel or even in something in the aftermarket, you know, like like HRE wheels, they do a fantastic job on it and it looks good. You know, that, yeah. that Porsche looks good. And they didn't screw up. They didn't screw up taking it from a really cool looking prototype to a production car. Yeah. So- uh, a couple ways they did. <laughs> but, but yeah. Know, overall, I mean, with the suicide doors and the sleekness of the original 
uh, concept. I mean, they, for me, they changed it to the point where I don't want one now. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. Okay. In Texas, it's like one dollar a gallon still, isn't it? Yeah, yes. in, in Texas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a moot point. There was a point in Texas recently. I was reading that gas power. It was cheaper to run a gas powered car than, ele- than, than an electric because electric is more expensive than gas. So it's something crazy. It's crazy, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of gas powered cars, uh, we all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, and now you guys know that uh, they've uh, been ranked number one in initial quality by JD Power. They've also been uh, ranked uh, Best Driver Appeal for Mass Market Brands. So number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic auto brand has run away with both awards in the same year. And with enough style and horsepower and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder these guys are taking all the awards. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. All right, so uh, I don't know. Did we just lose Alistair? He seemed to have. Oh, I'm back, Matt. Sorry, I'm going to go through technology hiccups. He's uh, as soon as we hit the the JD Power ads, he 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 dis- he was out. He disappears for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it's part of his uh, it's part of his contract. Every time we mention those guys, he's got to step out. But uh, uh, you guys have coming up. You have um, what like a best of 2021, and then a best driver's car. You've got some things coming up. We should be looking out for. Some videos, yeah, we've some got results, a ke- couple of a couple of things. Are we we launch our top rated awards in the middle of December, which is our kind of uh, it's it's not a the best car the best car of the year. It's actually the best cars on sale in each class, which is quite a big distinction. So we're basically recognizing excellence every year. So um, every category: sports cars, supercars, SUVs, small, large, medium, the whole thing. Yeah, so we have a sports car category: SUVs, sedans. Yeah, eight categories. Uh, so, so that, that's a big deal for us. And, and we're actually in final judging on that at the moment. And then we're shooting that in a couple of weeks. Uh, we also just, just filmed a couple of days ago, our sort of best new cars of 2021, which is another Epic where we're basically rounding up an A to Z of everything new that's coming out. Uh, so we're launching that in, I'm giving away all the secrets here. We're launching that in December as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's just a crazy busy, normally December winds down a bit, but this year it's crazy because there's so much product coming out because everything's been delayed and everything else. So yeah, we're working like crazy at the moment. Yeah. That's what we were talking about before. It just seems like a lot of product coming out, a lot of car companies reaching out and trying to do, you know, some sort of version of, of a release either, albeit online or, or, you know, like the Nissan Z event. You know, you just schedule two, three people at a time. They're just there all day, just getting people in and out of the door, you know, by appointment only. But uh, they're trying to make it happen. Now the big question is, uh, can can they make the cars? And I don't mean physically make them. I just mean, like, can they get staff in there? Can they, yeah. can they live by, you know, can they uh, get their COVID standards? Like, can they get enough people on the floor? Can they keep it safe? Can you make the cars? Can you get the parts? Can you do... And that seems to be the issue is going to be inventory. So as as much as the designers and the marketing machines and the engineers are getting new cars out to us in the in the in the press world, somebody's gonna to have to make them and sell them. <laughs> you know? I, I call the car dealers and I'm like, hey, what's going on with this car? What's going on in this car? They're like, Yeah, we'd love to have more of those. <laughs> but but we can't we can't make them fast enough. So uh, there's there's always something down the line so as much as we want to see these new cars so it's going to be interesting to see uh uh your videos that are coming out in december and the tests and the results and always acts as a as a fantastic buying guide for for people as well to see what's available now and what's coming out should you buy now should you wait uh and uh you know maybe when those are out we can have another discussion about uh who's winning and and maybe touch again on uh, as people look at new cars for the years or maybe even looking at new car purchasing over the holidays, lease versus buy and when you should do that or how you should do that. That might be something we want to look into as well. Uh, is Sounds there anything, uh, anything we're missing so far? Do we cover pretty much? Uh, we're running out of time here, so I just want to make sure we hit everything that we hoped. Any more cars or excitement in that last couple of weeks, Alistair wouldn't be able to speak anymore, I don't believe. So. <laughs> right. We'll save it up for next time. 
Um, yeah, you're yeah. lucky, man. God. Well, guys, of course, check us out at carcastshow.com. We appreciate all the nice reviews and ratings that you give us on on iTunes and across the board. And uh, you can follow me at Motorator on all social media. Of course, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter, Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. And uh, Alistair Weaver, Edmunds.com slash Road Noise is uh, all the uh, wonderful test and editorial stuff. But check out Edmunds. Uh, they're they're buying cars, they're selling cars, and uh, you can do you can do everything you you want over there in the new car world. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter, and he's Weaver on Cars on Instagram. Thank you so much, Alistair. Always a pleasure having you on. And uh, we're let's uh, connect again in December. Let's figure out a schedule that uh, before anybody leaves and takes a break. That uh, we have you on before before that happens. Are you going to go? I don't even know if you're allowed to go to Europe. How does that work? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, it's a nightmare. Yeah, we really want to get back to family and friends, you know, to family and friends back in back in the UK and France. But it's it's looking more and more difficult, to be honest. And then I, mean, the I don't UK. know if they can come here, right? It's just, it just goes both no, ways. They, they, they can't come here. And get, get this, I can go back to Europe because I'm a, you know, I have a British passport. My, my wife has a French passport. We can get back into the US, even though we've got all the visas and everything else. To get back into the US, part of it is because we have an American daughter. Oh, so like, this I is see. how this is how like nuts it is. It's 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 all over the place. But yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the toss up between could we legally go and get on a plane? Probably. Would we be wise to do that? Would it be the right thing to do? Is it's the problem we're all facing, right? But as as we said earlier, uh, you know, rules are changing a little bit. Lockdowns are getting a little more locked down, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, you know, you could make a, a a holiday plan now, and those plans may have to change at the last minute, but. Uh, uh, anyway, always a pleasure having you on, Bob. Uh, have a good time. Be safe. We'll chat with you in a, in a few weeks. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Thank Until you, next time. Be uh, good, Alistair. Uh, for Bill and Alistair and myself and uh, Chris in the booth over there. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Ho, ho, ho. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We've got another CarCast episode coming at the end of the week. Adam and I will talk about uh, checking out the Nissan Z, the new Z car, in person finally. So uh, we'll get into that. And uh, before we wrap it up, another word from our friends at Geico. Maybe you own your home or you rent your home. Either way, it can be a lot of work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling, bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because we already have so much to do around the home already. So just visit Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. That's Geico.com, Geico.com. Thanks.